0: We're about to kick off an all new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by our friend, brought to you by our friend and sponsor, Wandering Monster. Uh, Wandering Monster is your all-in-one online gaming service. So, you know, if you've got a kid who is curious about D&D, um, and don't know where to start, or maybe you live in an area where you can't find a group, or maybe you're not comfortable, uh, with an in-person group yet, Wandering Monster has the ticket just for you. Um Greg takes you through from character creation through an entire month-long adventure. Uh, the games are weekly, and right now at WanderingMonster.com, you can start placing your orders for the November game sessions. Um there's a lot of different options here, um, depending on what kind of game style you want or what kind of fantasy you want to play. Wandering Monster has all those sessions ready to go for November, and they are uh they are filling up pretty quick. Like I've clicked on like the Sunken Citadel. There's only a couple spots open uh, for that one. Um, into like the Nether ruins, there's a few for that. So they they go up pretty quickly. Um, in addition to the games, uh, Greg also runs storyteller workshops. So about how you know maybe you want to move beyond you know the gaming table at least. Get on the other side of the DM screen, as it were, and learn how to craft memorable NPCs and villains, which can really drive your story. That all happens at Wandering Monster. So go check it out, wandering-monster.com. Book yourself, book yourself a public session or maybe contact them about a private session for you and your friends or your family. No matter what you do, please thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City two, Radio. Three,
1: stealth. We're going to talk about the stuff that
2: makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more
0: factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Why, hello, and welcome to Issue 618 of Geek in the City Auto Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Venerita. Rita.
2: And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani.
0: What's up, spooky kids? It's,
2: spooky it's,
1: indeed.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a spooky day.
3: Spooky
1: day.
0: Spooky All Tuesday. Are, that's true. The spookiest of the days.
1: I don't know if that's actually true. I don't
0: know that it is either. I feel like I mean Monday is that's Luna, right? Monday's Luna.
3: Luna, Lunas, uh huh. Mm
0: -hmm. I feel like Wednesday would be spooky. I don't know why. Wednesday. Yeah, he's creep.
3: But is he spooky?
0: Not really. Because now I would picture is Anthony Hopkins, and Anthony Hopkins <laughs> isn't spooky. Even as Hannibal Lecter, he's more just flamboyant and cannibalistic, but not spooky. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Thursday, nah, Thor's not scary. No. Friday? Friday,
2: Friday is come, always spooky.
1: How
0: come so many of our days are based on the Norse gods? Because they're
2: all. Well, it's three of them.
3: Well, they aren't English.
0: I guess that's true.
2: Woden's Day, Thor's Day, Frey's Day.
0: Is Saturday based on Saturnalia? Saturn. Saturn.
2: Saturn. He was a party guy. But that's (laughs) Roman.
0: Yeah. Sunday is...
2: The sun. Yeah. Which I hate. It's Monday and Tuesday that I forget.
0: Yeah. Let's go for Monday as the spookiest day. And Tuesday is the day after the spookiest day.
3: Second spookiest day of the week.
0: Recovery spooky day.
3: <laughs> I think you're right though. Monday, Monday makes the most sense because yeah. Luna's Luna. Yeah. Yeah, that works.
0: There you go. Well, oh. hey, we've we've solved that. Very well.
3: Anyway. No um, But I, I think that's the spookiest day I've had most recently. Was actually Sunday.
0: All back. Nicely hey. done. Hey.
1: Why yeah. would you say that, Dean? Being...
3: Because I went to some haunted houses and you were there and you.
0: We were all there. <laughs> yeah, we all went to see, uh, along with uh, my lovely spouse, Jen, we went to Milburn Manor out in uh, Hubbard, Oregon.
2: Milburn's oh, haunted Hubbard. manor.
0: It was haunted manor.
3: I mean, is it really a manor if it isn't haunted?
0: No, it's not. Unless it's haunted and or murders have occurred, it doesn't count as a real manor. That's what I'm or saying. Or unless the Cave is under it, because Stately Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. Those are the three manors that can happen. You think, the fucking
3: Ma- you think the fucking Wayne Mansion isn't haunted?
0: Oh, it's haunted as fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm with a lot of ghosts and Bruce Wayne's guilt, which is the biggest <laughs> haunt of them
3: all. <laughs> that's, that's where I was going with that. Thank you. Yeah,
2: I,
0: I think we'll <laughs> touch on more about that one a little bit later. Oh, man. It's so. Cable, you actually doing some professional radio shit right Ooh. there. Like, Ooh. linking that up. That's called a uh, guarantees, friends.
3: <clears throat> anyway, back to the, back to Milburn's Haunted Manor. Uh, so, yeah, if you drive, like, you know, Forty to sixty minutes out of out of out of the city, uh, into beautiful farm country. Um, so basically, it is like a, a private property. Presumably, it's at least partially a farm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And it, is they, a farm.
1: Okay. it is a farm.
3: And they, but they've given over a goodly chunk of that property to have a, a spooky attraction.
0: To horror and terror.
3: Yes, uh, there are two haunts that you can visit there the the first one uh, well in order of what we saw them in anyway i don't know that there's a preferred order to to participate uh, but first we uh, experienced the dark mm-hmm. which was a mostly pitch black maze that you have to traverse with little to no light uh, but definitely um a lot of screaming
2: so one might say there's truth in advertising.
0: So it's
2: called the dark. It's dark.
0: Yeah. Pretty, pretty
3: self explanatory. Yeah.
0: I will say the dark made very good use of the laser and fog effects, which I've only seen within the last few years getting mm. getting used. It's I know a... Cable, you know haunts more than uh, Denise and I, so
2: yeah, I guess I have. I guess mm-hmm. I've been to.
0: I have. Well, you you've been more steeped in the industry as a rule. Also, this is
2: true. I I, I think where the two of you are are more uh, skilled and experienced with uh, escape rooms. I have delved into the haunts. Um. Yeah. The. Uh, I, The late using lasers and fog is not new, but um, using it at different levels, uh, like physically placing it at a a different height, um, and then using that in concurrence with the fog machine has definitely given um, haunts different, different feels. Like, yeah, like
0: you can literally use lasers and fog to make it feel like. You're wading like chest deep through, like you don't feel the pressure of like walking through a marsh, mm-hmm. but mentally your brain doesn't see below like that laser fog level. So your brain's like, "Oh, we're wading through stuff," and you're not. But psychologically, you're like, "Oh no, there's something under this." It it mm-hmm.
3: both creates uh, some visibility while also like cutting off visibility.
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure about the physics of that, but it is what they're designed to do is create a visible barrier, um, even though it is not an actual physical barrier. It's just a visual one. So you can go from... You can be standing in a giant room and feel like you're walking down a narrow corridor just by how laser lights and fog, where they're placed. Yeah. Um, there was a haunt in la at not scary farm that uh it was an undersea haunt and one room used a laser across the middle of the room so it hit everybody about waist high and then there was fog so you knew there were things walking around under there but you didn't know what <laughs>
0: Which is where, well, the, the at the dark, they did that. There were a couple times. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, not to give things away, but there's things at the end of the dark where they use that technology. And I will never forget hearing Denise behind me saying, nope, uh uh-uh. uh. No. No.
4: No. Yeah. Very
3: very simple but effective way of creating a, a very disorienting vibe that yeah. I appreciate but I'm not personally a fan of.
2: So <laughs> right. this was both of your first visits to Milburn and I went I've been to Milburn once back in 2019. Right. Um and Milburn's haunted manor is one of the few haunts that like Dave, the Baron from Fright Town, actually like enjoyed and respected, right? Like it was, it it was largely um, Milburns and Thirteenth Door were the other haunts that like he was friendly with all the haunts, but those were the two that he's like, no, they're doing good
0: work. Yeah, I will say like I used to be financially connected to Thirteenth Door, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and what they lacked in maybe Dave's storytelling approach. They made up for in room design and use of technology and actors.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Norm also points out that uh, both Alien and Aliens use the laser and fog effect to great effectiveness within the movies. Hmm. They did both do that. Yeah, totally. Um, so if it's good enough for uh, you know Ridley Scott and James Cameron, it's going to work for a haunt. <laughs>
2: And then,
3: of course, Um, oh, go ahead. And then there was the the second haunt, which was, again, the manor. And I'll let you talk about it more, Cable, because you're going to be better at it. Uh,
2: The manor is... So the design of the interior design is pretty much the same from year to year. Um, There's a a few touches here and there, but when we went through it, it was pretty much the same as I remember it from 2019. Um, where it gets different each time is depending on which actors you have in there um, doing the haunting. And um, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but one of the things that uh, Milburn's uh, the uh The business model for Millburns is that they have a big concessions. They have haunts and, you know, it costs money. They make a good amount of money, but the the proceeds from that, like a large chunk of the profit go to area schools to their drama departments because all of the haunters are volunteer high school students from said drama departments. So if you want to make money for your local high school, send some folks out have them scare the crap out of people on weekends. And at the end of October, you get a big chunk of change for to pay for costumes or pay for your next production. Yeah.
0: Because school districts are never going to actually pay for theater programs. They have to scare you to get money out of you. <laughs> uh, which is exactly what I did when I was in theater. That's uh-huh. how our theater made money. That and selling ads for programs. Mm. Yeah. I.
2: This is one of those things that I keep forgetting, largely because I'm old and this was a long time ago. Um, And when I say a long time ago, I'm talking like an adult person's lifetime ago. That's true. Like over 30 years at this (laughs) point. Um, But I think my first haunt was a, um, a high school drama department haunt. And it was after I had already graduated, but like some friends were running a haunt and I volunteered to help them so they could make money. Cause I I went through and was kind of a snarky asshole going through the haunt, (laughs) which is pretty much how I lived my life at that point. Um, But then I'm like, Hey, if you guys want help, I'll be happy to help. And I think they threw me in a harness and I was screaming at people the following night. So I keep forgetting I I did things that kind of planted the seed for things that would come along 20 (laughs) years later.
0: You you were planting the seed for Creepy Cable.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) I
0: think that got planted way Way before. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean... I probably didn't do a haunt. I probably actually worked a haunt before I ever attended a haunt. And again, like Mm -hmm. you, it was... Junior high and high school helping out local neighborhood haunts or community haunts or what have you. Um, the coolest one I ever did was I think my junior year of high school, we were actually given access to the old jail in Susanville. Like someone just like, well, they could use that building on yeah, that sounds Tuesday. like a
2: horrible <laughs> idea.
4: And it was
0: literally like legally there had to be one adult. So like one of the English department teachers just hung out. While like 16 to 18 year olds designed this entire haunt, um, we made bank that year for the theater department. <laughs> nice. So, where like people were really bummed out that we weren't given access to it the next year to do it. Mm. And not that we damaged it, it's just that Susanville has no vision. And eventually, a couple of the religious groups were really upset that we had made so much money doing devil's things.
1: Ugh, fuck's Yeah. Sake. Um mm-hmm.
2: Ontario was not dissimilar in its yeah, I'm, I'm sure dislike you, yeah. of. Yeah.
1: But
3: meanwhile, um, this is the first I've ever heard of like this being a whole thing where high schools connect or or have a large hand in the creation of or operation operations think, of a haunted house.
0: I think if you go to a lot of small towns in America, you will find that most of the haunted houses are put on by like the high school in conjunction with like the local Elks Lodge or the Lions Mm -hmm. Club, the Lions Club and the Shriners support a lot of haunted houses because they're, you know, the Lions Club is for vision and the Shriners are for kids. And yeah, so a lot of these like fraternal orders of like funky dress old dudes (laughs) that like to hang out and drink beer like on Friday nights, Mm -hmm. they -hmm. put a lot of backing into helping like teenagers put on haunts because then they... They pretty much, like, they throw some of their money behind it. So it'll be whatever. It'll be, like, you know, the Elko, the Elko Theater Department in Nevada. Like, the town's got a 1,000 people, and the theater department has, like, eight really dedicated kids that put on Shakespeare a couple times a year in the high school. They want to put on a haunt, and they get their buddies to do it. And, like, you know, the Shriners show up, or the Lions Club show up. And they put their booths up to, you know donate to the Lions Club, and they help these kids put on haunts.
3: That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's just like I've never really heard of that. and like It, it may or may not be a thing in Phoenix. I just am not, no, was never
0: aware of it. You'd probably see it more in smaller towns in Arizona. It's very much a smaller town
1: thing. Mm. I don't
2: know that it's that's necessarily true in the Southwest. Um, you don't think I, so? No, yeah. but I do know it's huge in the Midwest.
1: The
0: Midwest and where I, I grew up, which is...
3: The key organizers.
2: Yeah, the more uh, religious an area or the more traditional an area, the more you will have haunted houses, homespun haunted houses.
4: Yeah.
0: I mean, the biggest haunted house in the country is in what, Kansas, the Beast? Yeah. Is it in Kansas or is it in Missouri? It's in Kansas, but it's by Missouri, right? Isn't that it? I think i can find out. but yeah. then like
3: how is that the case if a more religious area is more likely to have you know a community rabble rousers go on that's the devil's work and they should you shouldn't be doing it and boycott it it's
0: it's funny that's it's,
2: free advertising
0: yeah that's the thing like every small town i've ever experienced it has a really strong religious community unless like it's 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 actually rare. Like when I said about like, we were not allowed to use the jail the next year, we still put a haunt on the next year. We just put, we just picked a different spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it And Cable could probably talk to this too. It's an interesting thing that the, the more like religious and conservative, the town, weirdly enough, a lot of these groups see kids putting on a haunt as well. It's better that they do this and they go out and drink and have sex and do drugs during October, Mm -hmm. which we still do, don't get me wrong but for the (laughs) most part through October especially drama kids, like we're dedicated to scaring you, like we see that haunt as our stage and they take it really seriously so for as much as like certain religious groups might be bothered by it, community leaders as a rule are like look, we know there's fuck all to do in this town (laughs) And all through October, a big chunk of our kids are either putting on this thing that actually takes a lot of work and discipline or they're attending this thing that their fellow students have put on. So, you know, maybe leave the fire and broomstone away for like one month out of the year. And it's it's really an interesting dichotomy when that happens. And it happens a lot in small religious towns, like a lot.
2: I know that for a fact that if I had a reasonable budget and time and got stuck in my hometown, I could rent the fairgrounds, put up three haunts, have it booked every single weekend and make money for every single school uh, drama program.
0: Oh, man. if I'm with you, Cable. If for some reason I had to spare spend a year In Susanville, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like, come, like, April, I'd be like, all right, I'm looking for a spot. I'm going to put a haunt on. I don't care what it costs me. I need to do something. I'm going to scare the crap out of people in this town, and I'm going to contact high school drama departments, local theater producers. Every small town has, like, the one mobile DJ who so wants to do something besides weddings. And if you tell them like you want to do sound design for a haunt, they're going to jump all over it. Oh yeah, I would in a heartbeat. I would do a haunt.
2: See, and I, I already know the location because the Malheur, um, the Malheur County Fairgrounds mm-hmm. is in Ontario, and it's the perfect. It's like it's already got parking. It's already got the buildings. It's already got infrastructure. It just oh, sa- me too. Oh, There's
0: an old public yeah. public pool that got shut down like 25 years ago, but it used to be a sanatorium. It has parking. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it had, like, weird little hot springs. It has weird little healer's rooms. I'm like, oh, no, that's the haunt right there. Oh, and it has an empty pool that you would have to walk down into. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie.
3: <laughs> that, that place might legitimately be haunted, so.
1: Oh, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it
3: is uh norm is mentioning like wow well, what's really sucky is that like then instead to continue to fight the haunted houses those religious groups will uh start up their trunk or treats um although i would argue that like a trunk or treat is really only appealing to children who are way too young to be going to haunted houses anyway
1: Hmm.
0: yeah i don't have a problem with trunk or treat when it's like yeah if the kids are really young or even last year, during the pandemic, and people didn't feel safe going to houses. Yes, k Trunk or treat?
2: Trunk You've or
0: never treat heard or... of
3: a trunk or treat? It's no. when a
0: lot of people you know and trust all kind of come to one, like, parking lot and open their trunks. And there's candy there, and the kids go around it.
3: Yeah, yeah. instead of letting your children go door to door for candy, they just go from car trunk to car trunk in a church yeah. parking lot.
0: Yeah, essentially, the, the houses come to them. I have never heard of this ever. It's super never suburban
3: part- or yeah. like small town. Well, I don't know, maybe like not small town. I don't, I don't know what happens in small towns, but it's it, it's a
2: very it sounds, suburban thing. It it's sounds within, more it's, suburban and not small town. Small town It's also
0: it's also cable within the last twenty years where it really came oh, to Okay yeah, rose up. Um
1: so but, but I also I love child. like
0: And this only happens like in towns with malls. I also love when malls open up for trick-or-treating, like Mm -hmm. every store. When I worked at Lloyd Center, every Halloween, we would buy a fuck ton of candy. And we had like movie stickers because usually it was usually the Friday before Halloween. And it was always kids that can't be out late. Like no one was like under six, over six years old. And they just wander Lloyd Center, like every store, gives them candy and you take pictures of like princesses and power rangers and it's the sweetest charming thing and you give them candy and you give them a movie sticker and they take pictures with cardboard cutouts of like disney characters it was so charming and i loved it i loved it
3: yeah, it's just like nice baby stuff for babies
0: yeah i love as much as i love to scare the crap out of people and just be goring over the top i also just my heart just melts when like five-year-olds dress up And go trick or treating. And I'm like, oh, you're so good. Like, you know.
3: Although I will argue that, like, the reason people started things like Trunk or Treat is because, you know, like they think the neighborhood weirdos are going to put weed or razors in the candy. Nobody's, we're not, nobody's, nobody's doing that, Karen.
0: Nobody is spending money on their drugs to fucking get your little shit apple high. Drugs are expensive. Mm hmm. I I'm not dropping a hundred bucks on some sweet like edibles to give it to your little fucking crotch nugget.
3: Uh yes to Scott in the chat. Trunk or treat is a lot like tailgating for kids. Um yeah. but but a lot less fun. I unless you're six, you know? It's perfect if you're six.
0: Yeah, if you're or the or right under. age. If you're the right age, it's the best day ever because within an hour your bag is full of fucking candy. Mm-hmm. It's amazing.
4: Hmm.
1: weird
3: yeah anyway
2: there we go i think i got that simply by we would do our rounds at all the houses and then eventually stop at my my grandmother's house and she would just already have a bag of candy that she would just give the
0: kids so we would trick-or-treat in my neighborhood where i grew up there was probably only like 10 houses in my neighborhood that really gave shit out the rest just had um uh, you know, killer dogs and dudes that got drunk and would point their shotguns at you. Um, although there was one house who was legend. This house, I shit you not, y'all. When you showed up, so remember when they used to sell five packs of large candy bars? Mm-hmm. That's what they gave out. You got to pick. Also, by the way, they had Snickers, Butterfinger, all the main, all the all the main ones. Then they had a giant fucking Coleman um, um, cooler. Cooler, We got to open it up and pick your, your whatever you wanted of a six pack of like mini eight ounce sodas like Coke, Dr. Pepper, Sprite, you know, uh, fucking Sunkist. So you left with a five pack of full size candy bars and a six pack of your favorite soda. Hmm. They were God's. There was that and the weird house of the two the, the German couple that never took down their Christmas decorations. And I don't mean like German ancestry like they barely spoke English. They were mm-hmm. German.
4: Mm-hmm. They gotcha.
0: would increase their Christmas decorations in December and then scale back for all year long. Like you would show up at trick-or-treating and they had Christmas lights on when you knock on the door and trick-or-treat they'd be like oh this is a beautiful kinder's. You'd look inside their house, Christmas decorations everywhere. There was a Christmas tree up with lights. There was Christmas music planned, but you got good candy from them. They just fucking loved Christmas. Loved in
3: it. their defense, every year after October ends, fewer decorations go back in the bins.
0: Yeah, I just turn a lot of my Halloween decorations. I just put Christmas hats on them. Like Frankenstein just gets a Christmas hat. <laughs> We're
2: Was this couple secretly Santa and Mrs.
0: Claus? (laughs) Like, I actually wondered that one time because I was like eight the first time I met them. And like, they did have like rosy cheeks. He had a white beard. Like, part of me was like, does Santa and Mrs. Claus live in Lake Forest?
1: (laughs) This place is magical. I wanna now
2: I wanna know more about this couple that lived.
0: They were kind of a trip. Like like one time, one of the years I went trick-or-treating, I said like I remember saying, like, do you wait for Santa, Santa? And like the woman who's handing out candy she's like, No, is kindergross. Like, like, kept like is that what they call him in Germany? It was a. I don't know. They use a very German word for it. Of like, no, we don't call him Santa. Like it's, we celebrate the real like jolly gnome European character. Interesting. They were very sweet. Like they never like. I know some people might think like, oh, they're creepy. Like they like kids coming over. Like they never, no, they never did that. Like you'd see him shopping in town, and they wore very like Bavarian clothing. <laughs> They just fucking love. Did you ever Christmas. learn
3: from where in Germany they were? Like maybe.
0: Oh, uh, they know. were from they were from the Black Forest region. I remember when I was like thirteen, I I chatted them a bit more.
2: The the what they would have called him is Weihnachts Weihnachtsmann.
1: The Batman?
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: um. They had but their
2: Aaron
4: decorations I,
0: were I, their decorations were very traditional. it was red suit beard, like that was their decorations. It wasn't sure
1: because they had don't to...
0: ruin this for me cable no i'm I'm not
2: trying to ruin this i I think I need you to do some investigation. I
0: think, you think that, they might have been them.
2: I think there is an unearthed Christmas story that you in your from your hometown backyard. That you and you alone should tell.
0: That Mr. and Mrs. Claus lived in my neighborhood during yeah. the off season? Yes. All right, I'll be right back. I'm going to think on that. You guys talk about it. Oh, but...
3: Bex for the win. Oh, yeah, bring me back a drink. Uh, Hasn't an, had an elderly neighbor from Germany who always gave out rum bottle candies. And I'm, okay. I'm not really sure okay. what a rum bottle candy is. Uh, but I am sort of imagining those, like, really fancy little bottles of Frangelico. <laughs> I, it's not candy. I mean, it is candy, but it's not candy. Oh, but that was considered the worst thing that they would get on Halloween.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you you have different uh, different tastes when you're kids.
3: <laughs> uh, I'm curious, Bex, did... Did the, did the parents know that, that the this elderly neighbor did that? Or was it sort of this like secret amongst the children?
2: Have you met children? They don't keep secrets. They're horrible. They don't keep the things secret that they're supposed to.
3: That's true. That's, that's very, very true.
2: The good things that they should keep secret so that no one stumbles across it. They tell all of their friends. The horrible things that happen that they should be telling people about, those they keep secret.
3: Yeah, that happens. Mm -hmm. It definitely happens.
0: Damn it, Cable, I'm going to write that now. Yep, you're welcome. Well, because (laughs) anyone who knows me knows that I love Halloween, but then like Christmas is actually right up there with it.
2: I know this. And
0: I've always kind of wanted to write like a weird, I've always kind of wanted to write a weird Christmas story. Yep. It's still going to have ghosts in it because Christmas, spoilers for those who don't know this, uh, Christmas is the second most ghost infested holiday of the year. Christmas is riddled with ghosts and monsters
1: because
0: mm-hmm. it's in the winter when they all come out.
3: The death time.
0: Yep. Yeah. Right up there with Arbor Day. <laughs> yeah, the, most, the most terrifying of days. Well, I feel like it? we've
3: sort of digressed a little bit. Did we have anything more that we wanted to share about our time at Milbur
0: Bandham was, was great and, and Cable together? had fucking funnel dipped fried bacon which just oh man, in... Jesus man like, my, hot dog, for that. my hot dog was good but damn
2: I, like I said I had dinner before we came so I had already planned on having nothing but
0: dessert while I was out yeah. there <laughs> so if you go out See, there I just know poorly. that no you didn't the hot dog was good yeah just know it's if you go chili out. There, cheese
3: hot dog, kind of any old time. How yeah. often do I come across funnel cake battered bacon?
0: That's the other fun thing about kind of rural haunts, is it means it's going to come with good rural fair food. Yeah. Fried, I Fried everything.
2: I, I did put a link to Milburn's uh, in the Facebook chat. So if you're a Portland local and you are looking for something to go do that's uh, you know thematic seasonally thematic um,
0: Yeah,
2: it's best if you're vaccinated in general um, yeah but you should, they, fucking
0: should be by now Just
2: right but they do have um, you know they do Milburn's requires masks they still require as much social distancing as possible uh, they like they time out who can go into the haunt so that you're not bunched up on, you're just bundled up in your groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's, it does, it does have a nice small town feel to it, um, which is great for little haunts like that.
4: Yeah, that's um, great.
2: Yeah. Um, the other thing that I can say is I, I met the Milburn who runs it, uh, back in 2019 and he's he doesn't have a timeline but when he's done he's just done and he has no Mm -hmm. idea when that's going to be but so like he's never said this is going to be the last year or anything but when he decides to do that he's just going to do it so
0: so go Mm -hmm. check it out
2: go check it out um you're outside most of the time so Mm -hmm. that also helps um if you're concerned about uh, COVID transmission.
0: You're outside um, but but covered.
2: Covered, yep.
0: In case it yeah. rains. Because so it's Oregon and it's so Oregon in October. The odds of rain are high. You are covered, but you're outside.
1: No, um
3: the other thing that I really, really appreciated, I don't think any of us touched on yet, is the fact that um all of the haunters really try to give you your space. There's mm-hmm. and I mean like I personally am not a big fan of like the neck breathing, you know, from come up behind you and breathe on you kind of a thing. Obviously that's out the, out the door nowadays, but they they keep a distance they are effectively doing their job without coming into uh, you know like getting into your personal space
2: they're also all of them are all masked also that um, which like they either incorporate their makeup into the mask or that the mask is designed to be part of their their costume so that mm-hmm. was well done as well nice well done as well that was. Poor sense.
0: Well, I um, think yes, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm gonna say uh I think before we move on, mm-hmm. we're gonna do trailers next. I think so. Okay. Well before we move on, you know who really likes trailers? Our friends at PDX Asylum.
1: This is true. <laughs>
0: they do. They are both Anton and Deb are Cinephiles. They do love it, so they'll love trailers. And you will love PDX Asylum. Uh, they punchy. are, uh, oh, yeah, I was, uh, was going to roll in and do it. 3713 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, across from the Baghdad Theater. Uh, don't think of them anymore as just vintage uh, furniture. They are now your modern, minimalist, and uh, just fantastic home decor store. Um, I'm looking at, they just posted this a few days ago. They're look, uh, there's a new vase, it's a modern vase. And it's kind of cool all by itself. Like, I like how it like suggests the shape of an elephant. Yes, I was that thinking was that exactly too. When the I'm like, thing. I don't, I don't know if I need flowers in it. I could just put weird shit in it. It would make it work, you know. But not actual shit. No, don't but do that. Don't, you see don't.
3: how in one of the pictures, instead of flowers, it has those like colorful little like bobbly on
0: sticks. Well, they're like felt flowers.
3: Yeah, yeah. You can buy those at Asylum. Also, I've bought them yeah. before. I've actually bought a few unique, like, modern, vintage-inspired vases and felt flowers to fill them in as, uh, mm-hmm. as gifts in the past.
0: And I was just there a few days ago, and, you know, we're coming up on another winter where the odds of us being inside a lot is pretty high. Uh, they still have their puzzles, you know, ways to pass the time. Mm-hmm. I know Denise uh, last year finished one of those gradient puzzles. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I'm sure felt very calming assembling it and stuff.
3: Very satisfying.
0: Yeah. Uh, last year I bought Jen like this rollout crafty kit. So it's like games and coloring. It's a small box that you roll it out and you can just pretty much draw as you go. It comes with all the pencils you need and all the crayons you need. And especially good if you're like in a Zoom call and you're listening, but you're not on video, but you're like, oh my God, I need fucking something to do. You just kind of roll this little thing out. You're like, oh, I'm going to draw this one. I'm going to color in this little picture here. Yes, no, I get it. Yeah, no, it's great. PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's good. Well, they mm-hmm. just kind of keep rolling and adding to it. So um, yeah, they have everything to kind of take care of your home decorating needs. They have a great modern minimalism design. Um. There's a lot of talk right now about the slowdown in the supply chain. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to worry about that with Asylum because they work really hard uh, with only purchasing products from local and American artisans and designers. Uh, Places that aren't found on Amazon. That's one of the things they're really proud of. And if you're not found on Amazon, the odds of you being impacted by the supply chain are very small. So, yeah,
2: this that's is pretty true.
4: cool. Yeah.
2: That, that gets back to that whole meme I've been seeing go around concerning supply chains, which is local artists aren't impacted. Like local artists' works are available right now.
0: Right now. They are not impacted by the supply chain. Nope.
2: And that's why. PDX Asylum works to stock their shelves with stuff.
0: That's right. So yeah, check about 3713 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, across from the uh, Baghdad Theater. They're open regular, their, their hours are Friday through Sunday. Um, I believe it's 12 to four. But if you contact them through their Facebook page, you can organize a private shopping session if you feel more safe doing that. But mm-hmm. just work with them. Uh, through messages with Anton and Deb and they'll they'll make sure to find a time for you to get into the shop for sure.
3: And you can check them out online at facebook.com dot slash PDX asylum.
1: Yeah, check them.
2: Um, All right. Before oh, we yes. jump into trailers, to answer a question you asked at the a bit ago, the Beast is in Kansas City, Missouri.
1: Okay. All
2: right. So and it's huge. It is
1: huge.
2: Um, no, I'll save that for later. I'm going to... I'll be right back.
0: Carry on. Right. Well, Denise and I can jump into trailers then.
3: Very well. Which trailer would we like to start with?
0: Oh, man. Like, um... Well, the one everyone's going to ask us about, I feel like, is The Batman. Okay. So we jump into that. So at DC's Fandom event this week, uh, one of the big trailers they've released is, yeah, the full-length trailer for The Batman with uh, Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Um, This is a much more like grounded, which I get annoyed when I say that because like everyone's like, oh, the Nolan Batman was so grounded too. And I don't need, I don't necessarily need Batman to be like grounded in reality. Um, I just need it to stick to its own rules. And this feels like a fun little hybrid. Mm Mm-hmm. The Batman also feels like the first Batman movie ever where the character actually does some investigating. Which well, like is kind of nice as a detective. From a comic? He, he is known as the world's greatest detective, and no Batman movie has actually shown him, you know, detecting. <laughs> um, I never
3: thought about that.
0: Yeah, none. The closest we ever got was the was Dark was the Dark Knight, and that was like a five-minute scene. I'm like it still wasn't detecting that was you using like some wanky ass technology um, i think visually, detectivizing yeah i think visually it's very appealing we're talking about uh, the batman trailer cable batman. Mm-hmm. um i like its visual look uh, i like by even the director's the director's own admission they're pulling a lot visually from uh um from um oh my a god long halloween say. Not only that, no, the artist, Franco um, uh, or my
2: God. Francisco Francovia.
0: Francisco Francovia, thank you. You're welcome. Like The Batmobile is straight up Francisco's design.
2: I think that might be my favorite Batmobile.
0: Cinematically, yeah. Almost ever. Yeah. Yeah, well, because it's very much based on the Batmobile design of the mid to late 70s. Mm-hmm. Where it was just a, it was literally just a fucking muscle car that had what? like exposed engine parts because it had to be faster.
3: What's the artist's name?
2: Francisco Francavia.
0: Francavia. Oh, yeah. Just turn to. He does, he did all the covers for Afterlife with Archie. He's a great artist.
2: Oh, he did all of oh. the art for. He did Afterlife. all the art
0: too. You're right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He was. Oh,
3: yeah. I can that. see that right away.
2: Yeah. I think that was what got everyone to go. I'm sorry, who is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that book? And then, yeah, he was doing covers for everything. He did The Black
0: Beetle for Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm
3: seeing covers for Skeleton Key, Black Hammer.
0: He does mm-hmm. a lot Captain of stuff. He does America. a lot po- of. And then, yep. like, every October, he redoes like monster movie posters just for fun. He just does them. Yep. Yeah, he's a cool artist. Um I yeah, like Zoe I liked Zoe Kravitz look as uh Selena Kyle slash catwoman. Um yeah, something about this one just it just appeals into me in ways that as much as I enjoy some of the Nolan stuff, it still felt too polished and this feels grittier, and I don't mean that in the grim dark way.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: This is like this, this is like Batman year 2. He's already been established.
2: Gordon It's not an origin. Yeah, it's not, not an, an origin. origin. Story.
0: Gordon kind of trusts him. But, but he's cops, also
2: still a lieutenant.
0: Yeah, and the cops clearly don't fucking like him at all cuz he's making them look bad. Um and also he doesn't really like cops.
2: You know, that's kind of the direction you have to go these days. Mm-hmm. The more that we collectively start to understand about the origins of the police,
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, their current function, the, what they choose to protect and serve, and um, yeah, the bullshit that is the police union. Um, right Yeah that, like all of that it, it says that if you're going to be a, a justice based vigilante, you can't like cops. No. Because they're the antithesis of what you were trying to do. Yeah,
3: that you wouldn't be needed if the cops were doing what they claim to be working towards. Right.
2: Right. And that's not what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, um, no, I guess
1: solve crimes.
2: Um, create a climate where crime is a last resort rather than the first thing that you have to go to in order to survive.
0: Right.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just I think it looks impressive, and I really like Robert Pattinson as an actor. Mm -hmm. Um. Many years ago, I just wrote him off as like this pretty boy from Twilight, and then I saw some some of his other work, and I was like, that was really unfair of me. Yes, he was a pretty boy in Twilight, but that was his thing that got him going to do everything else he wanted to do like because the money he made from t- Twilight that dude does whatever he wants now and doesn't care mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you know Daniel Radcliffe he got that Harry Potter money does whatever the fuck he wants to do Elijah Wood Lord of the Rings money they do whatever they want to do no matter how weird it is
1: mm-hmm.
0: yep you know
3: like, like the lighthouse
0: yeah <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to it I also like that like warner brothers assumed robert pattinson would work out and get like swole when he told him when they cast him he's like i ain't working out i'm not gonna do it he's like i'll be healthy but i'm not like i'm not going to a trainer you can't marvel movie me i'm not gonna i refuse to do it Mm
1: -hmm. when they
0: showed up on set they were like he looks really scrawny he's like yeah make this suit make me look good it's it's a suit with armor Mm -hmm. why do i have to look bulky I'm not Thor. I'm not Superman. I'm Batman. <laughs> he wears fucking armor. like, <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, And boy, do they use that effectively in the trailer. That's the other thing I kind of like. It's kind of weird. I like it when Batman takes like dozens of shots to the chest and doesn't flinch because it's all about fear. And if you can't drop him with an AK-47, you're fucked. Or and two. I, or two, which is <laughs> why I, I was like, no, great. Also, that's why you aim for the head, you know. But I like it. He's like, no, I have a big ass bat here. So you aim where all my armor is at, you know. Um, the, yeah, I'm go ahead.
2: The incorporation of the um, Joe Chill's gun as the bat in his suit. Yeah. Like that's, I think that was the first tease of this costume that I went Okay, I'm in. It's like, you so, know what the movie's about. You don't care. That, you, that is an element where you're paying attention to
0: things. Do you know where they got that from? Where? Kevin Smith. Good. So I think it was for Batman's 80th anniversary when they did that 100 page special. Mm-hmm. He pitched them a story and Jim Lee did it where, it, yeah, Bruce Wayne bids on, he goes to this underground auction where, like, you know, murder memorabilia. And he buys Joe Chill's gun. And Alfred's like, you know, Master Bruce, this is fucked up. Like, I get that you're obsessed and guilt-ridden, but this is wrong for you to just own this gun. And basically what Kevin Smith wrote, he's like, you don't understand. He's like, I'm making it from something that ruined my life to something that will save my life. And in the comic, mm-hmm. that little short, he melts it down and makes it the primary armor plate on the bat.
4: Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: that's, that's a Kevin Smith story. Straight up. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I did also forget until the trailer that Andy Serkis was Alfred.
1: Me too.
3: I forget yeah. what he looks like in real life. So I was like, who is that? What's happening here?
2: He looks like Ulysses Claw. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm I, excited I, for that. Yeah, I think he's going to be great. Um, um, I, I would, like I, I'm like going to be Colin Vin-
0: Farrell just disappearing into the penguin. Yeah, Uh, I think he's going
2: to I think he's going to have to vie for Robin with Robin Lloyd Taylor to be either the second or third place best penguin
4: Mm. because
2: Danny DeVito still sits on atop that throne. Like.
0: Okay. I like my penguin as a mob boss, not a circus freak.
2: It's not just him as a circus freak. I don't. I had until Robin Lloyd Taylor, I hadn't seen anyone take that character and make it something that, like, I have never been scared of the penguin. The penguin has never been a serious character to me. He's been ridiculous. Like, yeah. When I was introduced to him, he was this
0: Burgess Meredith.
2: Burgess Meredith, or this who who we love. Yeah. Or this. Ridiculous-looking character with umbrellas in the comics. It's like, wait, I don't understand why is he a supervillain? Danny DeVito. I'm like, oh, yeah that that is terrifying. Good job.
0: Danny DeVito uh, actually I, forbid his kids from coming on set. They visited him one day, and they saw him and ran screaming to Rio Ferdinand. <laughs> They're like, we thought we were going to see dad.
2: <laughs> yeah, I. I still think that's one of his best performances ever, um, and he has. Oh yeah, and he's put in like hundreds of other performances that are fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Colin Farrell is definitely going to give us um, yeah. something Although we haven't you,
0: seen. If you ever want to see a Batman story with the Penguin, that it's the first time I ever took Penguin seriously. It was in the mid '90s with Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. And it was a four-part arc called The Death of the Penguin mm-hmm. where he was able to frame Batman for his murder. Clipper. Good little four-part series in Detective Comics. So if you can find it, like, seek it out. Good little okay. arc. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm going to be that weird nerd about this that uh, I'm glad that people are excited that Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman. Um, but I, I must point out, Zoe K- Kravitz is this is not her first time playing Catwoman.
3: It isn't.
2: Was is she a Z- voice in one of them? Zoe Krabitz was Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie.
3: Oh shoot, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. I did I yeah. did fully forget that.
2: Um I will still happily Give anybody a dissertation of why the Lego Batman movie is also one of the most important pieces of Batman mythos and Batman uh, media that's out there.
0: The best thing about it is the Lego Batman movie is the movie that finally, finally, flat out says Joker and Batman love each other. That is why they will be arch enemies forever.
2: It does because they some... cannot
0: reconcile how they are actually. They're like the yin and yang. They cannot exist without each other.
2: The um, the whole thesis of the Lego Batman movie is that Batman is the villain. And everyone else is his victim. Um, it's the only time I've ever convincingly seen and understood the Joker as a sympathetic character. It is one of the healthiest portrayals of harley quinn because her entire role in that movie is like oh she's just being a supportive girlfriend and then you watch it and go no she's not every line of dialogue that she has with the joker is her performing therapy yeah she is she is dr harley quinn that entire movie and you just kind of gloss over it
0: the other like the other Harley Quinn thing that I love that like everyone glosses over is the one episode of I think it was The Adventures of Batman and Robin, but it was a Harley Quinn focused one,
4: mm-hmm.
0: where she gets out of she gets released from Arkham.
2: Harley's Day.
0: Harley's Day, to go straight and like Batman follows her everywhere, doesn't get in the way, just follows her, and people assume she's robbing them, so they treat her like shit. They call the cops on her, and at the end like Batman finally shows up and like helps her Mm -hmm. and she's like why would you do this and he's like because everyone deserves a second chance and she's like what do you mean she's like "Eh." she's like you're right bats like I just had a really bad day and it kind of did it kind of ruined my life and like Batman looks at her and is like I know what it's like to have a bad day and have it ruin your life And she's like, but you're a good guy. You shouldn't have any bad days. And he's like, no one should have bad days. And they have this like moment where like she tears up and he kind of looks solemn, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, and then it gets funny again where like she kisses him on the cheek and then she grabs him and kisses him. Like, she's like, Bets, you and I are going to be great together. He's like, (laughs) and then he's like, don't push it, Harley. You know, (laughs) but he has that moment of like, he looks at her and he says, She's like, why would you do this for me? He's like, because I had a bad day once. And and that's when you realize like, oh yeah, no, he's straight up telling Dr. Harlan Quinzel in that moment. Yeah. I had a bad day and it irreparably changed my life. I mm-hmm. am now dressed like this because I had a bad day. Yep. It's a great moment. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um. If anyone's been sitting on watching the Lego Batman movie, watch
0: it. It is watch fun. it.
3: I clearly um, need to watch it again.
0: So should we move from the more serious to the fucking ridiculous with Peacemaker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Take over. I'll be right back. Oh my oh god. god. Um you what you did you watch the trailer on this one? I
3: did, but I'm not, I wouldn't be able to like recap it.
0: I don't
2: I don't know that I can either, other than it's insane. Like,
1: yep.
2: if you haven't watched The Suicide Squad yet, you're, you might want to skip ahead because <laughs> this is... Everyone presumed it was a prequel to The Suicide Squad because, you know, it's The Suicide Squad. Everybody right. dies. Um,
3: Full spoilers coming up if you yeah. haven't seen The so Suicide spoilers. Squad.
2: Um, Peacemaker does not get killed in the Suicide Squad. It it is intimated that he does and then you find out that later on that uh, uh, Hisham, I will get to that. Um, So Peacemaker is alive at the end of the movie and this is kind of him going like uh, getting pulled back in by the Suicide Squad's kind of organization and put back out in the field to i don't know what do things that no one else is going to do um it gets more into um, psychologically why he is the
3: way he is
2: yeah and i it's it's hard to explain um we get to meet the peacemaker's father, apparently, played by um, Robert Patrick of Terminator 2 and X-Files. Um, which it is weird to think that of Robert Patrick being old enough to play John Cena's father, but yeah, I guess that's about right. Cause it's, oh God. Okay. I'm having an old man moment again. Anyway. Um, yeah. Norm, Norm hits it on the head. There's a scene with a bald eagle. Hugging John Cena, <laughs>
1: and that's that's
2: that's as ridiculous as like I,
0: dad, I don't know, dad. Dad, take a picture,
2: dad. I don't you, want to move, I can't
0: get my camera. Can't get my also flashback to our drive home from the haunts I didn't realize that his dad was being played by Robert Patrick, aka Agent Daggett.
4: Yeah, that's what we were familiar, just talking
0: about. but yep. yeah, oh, okay,
3: cable just blew my mind here.
2: So, there's an addition of another character, like. A lot of the characters are people from um, the uh, the command team on the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. um, plus a new agent who's out in the field who doesn't have any superpowers or a costume. She's just armed with a gun.
0: <laughs> I think she might be meta in that. I think she's really strong.
2: Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But the other costumed hero in this is Vigilante. Vigilante. Which a stupid I, character? It, it is, and the last time I saw Vigilante was on Arrow, where they did you know an Arrow version of Vigilante. Oh, right. However, this version of Vigilante is yet another comics accurate costume. He's one hundred
0: percent on point.
2: Except his characterization, as Hisham pointed out, is very Deadpool.
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. I actually thought that when I first heard the voice, I thought it was Jason Lee,
1: mm -hmm. but you
0: see a picture, but it's not because they would have mentioned it, but yeah.
2: Um, And then the, the other person that you see in costume, who's in green, that's judo master. Right.
0: Who is another Carlton character. So Uh, really quick. Go ahead. Did you guys mention what Ida just said in the chat? No, someone, no. Was... Someone pointed out to her that John Cena as Peacemaker, it looks like swole Ernest P. Warhol, and you cannot unsee that. Nope. That, you know what I mean, Vern? We we get yet I always another thought
3: there was something a little bit weird about him looking at him. And there
1: it is. Mm hmm.
0: <laughs> and, and we I get also love another John Cena in his underwear
2: I dancing. Say, scene. I'm so glad
0: he's comfortable just having fight scenes in his underwear. I yeah. mean, if I, that,
3: I had a body like that, I would be in my underwear. That's true. If I was ripped like that,
0: I would be in tighty whities all day long. You'd
3: have to pay me to stop. Yeah,
0: Fighting It's a for good freedom. thing that so, it's a good thing that so far John Cena seems to be a legit good person. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah.
3: Easy, easy. If you say it out loud.
0: I know, I know Um, The the show looks ridiculous It looks just like, it looks classic James Gunn Which I'm super pumped for
2: Which means As ridiculous and funny as this all looks That means it's gonna Gut punch us in ways That we are not going to see coming You are not prepared
0: Oh yeah, I'm waiting for around episode 6 When Vigilante has The most heartfelt and painful death Ever Or something or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I don't A- after watching his uh, watching the suicide squad, I I don't know what to expect other than I don't th- to not expect anything. It's just <laughs> going to be it's going to be weird.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I'm super pumped for that and that's early next year right?
2: Yes, I think yeah. they said it's January
4: on speaking of,
0: speaking of James Gunn, are we getting the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special this year?
4: Mm.
0: We might be.
2: I haven't heard anything about that.
0: Oh, yeah, no, he's filmed a holiday special for the Guardians of the, which is supposed to lead in right into Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Because he made this big cool. thing, of, like, he was going to debut one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe in the Christmas special. And everyone was like, oh, is it Silver Surfer? Is it blah, blah, blah. And a few fans that know Marvel, including myself, were like, no, you idiots. It's Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a character in the Marvel universe. And he is indestructible because he's Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. He's a a superhero in the MCU who can't be killed because it's Santa Claus. It's a Christmas special. Like, come on, guys. You know who it's going to be. Quit trying to, like... Put your nerd a minute. Like, James Gunn's putting Santa Claus in the show. Because, of course, he is. Okay. Yeah. It's silly. Um, and then before the show started, we watched the Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Lost Session. So, the <laughs> trailer, they call it the Lost <laughs> Session.
4: hmm
1: Yes.
2: It... It was essentially a, a live-action... Somewhere between a, a cartoon and comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: In mm-hmm. the
2: use of um...
3: space and panels.
2: Mm
4: hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I, and it, and it starred, you know, Jet Black and Faye Valentine and Spike Spiegel and Spike Spiegel's hair.
0: <laughs> Always Spike Spiegel's hair.
2: Like, I think that's the most. One of the most amazing things to me is how screen accurate (laughs) John Cho's hair is as Spike Spiegel. It's just this thing. It's just a mind
0: of its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even Um, though I know that it's like effects, but that that initial backflip kick where his whole body spins, I was like, that's right from the anime. Like straight mm -hmm. up right from it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They are they are really, really like, working to, you know, like, bring an animated series to life. They're not just adapting the concept or making a live-action what-have-you, mm-hmm, you know, right. because there was that live-action um, Full Metal Alchemist, and that totally flopped, if I remember. Um, and I... Well, I that's didn't only think.
2: because it was bad.
3: <laughs> well, this doesn't seem like it's going to be bad at all. Um It, it seems like they were, like, they we're really, really trying to you know, honor the source material essentially Uh, right up there with, you know, bringing in the original um, music producer whose name is going to escape me now, but... uh,
2: Yoko Kano. Thank you. Uh,
3: But going back to like what you were saying, Cable, with the the really (laughs) cool way that they're using uh, the space and the panels, it's not just that they did something that's a little bit still pretty novel, I think in terms of, you know, whenever you're adapting a comic book, Person, you know, for example, um, but they, there was so much tempo and action involved in the use of panels throughout the whole trailer that was just like really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, essentially the characters are in different panels but they're communicating with each other and basically like pushing each other into and out of separate spaces all on the same screen in real time uh and eventually the the panel dividers just not just go away but get absorbed into into the action it's right. it's really really cool
4: yeah
2: sorry i was i, I, I was looking at uh Mustafa Shakir's uh, IMDB page because I kept, like, as soon as he came on screen and started talking, I'm like, I've heard this man's voice. it's like, he's got to have done multiple voiceover work. He doesn't have any voiceover work. I've just watched things that he's in before.
4: Oh,
0: okay. Um,
2: He was, let's see, uh, he was in Luke Cage. He was in American Gods. Um,
0: American Gods is where I recognize him.
2: Yeah, he's Baron Samedi. Yeah. But he was Bushmaster in Luke Cage.
1: Oh, okay. What was the character's name?
2: Bushmaster.
3: Oh, I do Hmm. remember that.
2: Yeah. It's like, that's that's why. Okay. That's why. Um, He has a very distinct
0: voice. I liked Um, him more in American Gods. But only because I felt like Luke Cage should have ended before they got to Bushmaster.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like once we'd ran Alfred Woodard's arc, that that's where the season should have ended. But anyway, that's a whole. Uh, yeah, that's goddamn is her her fucking heel turn, and just fucking Jeff's kiss or mm-hmm. Jeff's kiss for Kevin Smith fans. Um, yeah, so good. Um I mean it's probably not going to happen but part of me kind of hopes the show does more of that panel breaking cuz the anime did that off and on especially for like sweeps and dissolves and stuff it like kind of mm-hmm. broke the panels that that broke the you know lying in the gutters as it were for using a karmic parlance Yeah um, and and that's not
2: typical of like a lot of animated series to Mm -hmm. have things broken up into panels where you have different screens going on. Um, But it was a conceit of Cowboy Bebop for sure.
1: Yeah. And
3: that's why I couldn't think of any other uh, anime examples, but it's, it's something that you, you would get a little bit of, or, you know, similar concepts from like some of the earlier Netflix DC stuff.
1: Mm So, Yeah.
2: I am, again, I am not a huge fan of the animated series. Um, but I am still, like, I watched it. It's fine. Um, and I I totally get why it's, why it is so beloved. It mm-hmm. just has never hooked me the same way, probably because I watched it later than other people did. Um, but I'm still excited to see this live action version of it.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, I think I like the anime more than you did. Like I probably discovered it discovered it in my late twenties. And that Mm -hmm. space aesthetic, bounty hunter slash, you know, it's the future, there's high tech, but also like people still order shitty noodles from somebody at a card pod. And then they hyperspace jump. Like that aesthetic really clicked with me. So
2: Yeah, and I didn't watch it until my late thirties. And so Mm. it was more of an analysis of like, oh, okay, I see exactly where 16 other things that I've watched have borrowed heavily from this show.
4: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
3: that's fair. I think that just based off of the, you know, the, the the trailers and teasers that they've put out so far, I think that you can not be familiar with the source material and, and still really enjoy this. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I I do... I, I would ask that fans of the show just watch the show before you lambast it or decide to downvote it or whatever it is people do on the internet these days. Just watch it first.
0: For f- what it is. Don't
2: yeah. yeah. And don't don't be so angry <laughs> that Faye is not in a screen accurate costume or if I hear where is Ed one more time. <laughs> it's like
1: just You don't know. You don't know sh- yet.
2: Let the show air and yeah. answer those questions. It's like it's it's or like good. you Yeah. Or like
0: you said before the show that John Cho looks older to play Spike. Because in the show in the anime, like Spike looks to be in his mid-20s, late twenties. I mean, okay. But those are some hard years that he's put on. He's a hard smoking, drinking bounty hunter in space, which means that John Cho, who I believe is in his mid to late 40s, actually looks pretty much age appropriate for Spike.
2: John Cho does look like he's in his early 40s, which means he's in his 50s. I think John Cho is older than I am. I shall look. But either way,
0: got... I think he looks better. I think he fits.
2: Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I agree.
3: He is 49.
0: Yeah, he's younger than you. Oh, yep. Yeah. 72. Yep. Yeah. June Damn. 6th, June 16th, 1970. They
3: might actually be making him look a little bit rougher around the edges. They than actually like, are.
0: I think I'm looking at more pictures bit. of him. They're roughing him up a little bit for the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: like, he was playing much younger for Star Trek. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, oh, yeah, he's he's playing... It's like, he's, like, late 20s, early 30s. I'm like, John in his 40s.
0: <laughs> although, what's funny, though, when you get... By the time you get to Beyond, I think they actually use less makeup on him to mm-hmm. look like a late 30s family man with, like, mm-hmm. a husband and a daughter. And if you see his... If you see him in... The twenty thousand the two thousand nine and then beyond. Yeah. It it he's more mature looking for sure.
2: I've just, I've been a fan of John Show for a long time. Oh my god, so, me too. He's been he's um, great. He's since great. and not from Harold and Kumar. Well I love Harold and Kumar. Um they they are a, fun. A better tomorrow was <laughs> I think the first thing I saw him at.
3: Oh yeah. Oh. I don't think I ever saw that.
2: It's um you should. Mm. The I earliest mean,
3: thing I can really remember appreciating, or like recognizing him from was Selfie, which of course uh, everyone knows my my love for that series. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the first thing I ever saw him in. It was also not
0: Harold and Kumar. <laughs>
2: Yeah, better tomorrow was definitely more of uh, it. Are you
0: saying better tomorrow or better luck tomorrow? Better luck tomorrow. Thank you. Yeah, better tomorrow was like 1986. He yeah. was not. He was not acting. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> no, better... he has.
3: He's been act, only been acting since 97.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, better luck tomorrow. That's a fun uh, one for sure.
0: Um.
3: I'll
0: go check it out. I wonder what you would have seen him in. I mean the Harold and Kumar movies were his big that was his big breakout mm. I didn't mm-hmm. watch
3: a single Harold and Kumar until relatively, re- relatively recently it was on all the time online comedy central or whatever but I didn't actually watch them
1: hmm.
4: yeah, he he mm-hmm.
2: just had bit parts for years and yeah. then did um, and then did harold kumar and it's like that was his big
0: one was uh harold and kumar
2: Mm -hmm.
0: also if you can find it online i don't know where it's streaming but he is in the tv version of the exorcist and he is fantastic in it also horribly underrated show that got canceled way too early this is a good spot to take a break and talk about our sponsors First up, Guardian Games. They are our favorite game store in town. You can find them at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon, and find out why they will soon become your favorite game store in town. Uh doesn't matter what kind of board games or RPGs or anything you're looking for, Guardian Game has it. Uh, if they don't have it, the chances are they can get it, and if that's not possible either, that means the game probably doesn't exist yet. And you should design it and then maybe play test it there in some of their uh, many open gaming days that they are now having at Guardian Games. Uh, still, mask up, keep everybody safe and whatnot. That's one way to guarantee that they can continue to do uh, in-store gaming and events, uh, be it your own game or, like, you know, Magic the Gathering, Gathering like Modern or just Casual Warhammer, uh, Pokemon Open Play. All these things can happen at Guardian Games. Um But you have to make sure that, you know, play by the rules, as it were, um, because they are keeping us sane during these times where we still don't quite get to go out as much as we used to. Gaming helps bridge that that gap, the social need, the, the social connection that many of us need. And Guardian Games is there to make sure that it happens with us. So please check them out, Guardian Games. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Just like... Bridge City Comics. So, you know, you heard us talk a little bit about, um, you know, like, some of the teasers came in, coming out, like, you know, Peacemaker and the Batman um, coming out, and if you're kind of curious about where these movies are drawing inspiration, well, then you should get to Bridge City Comics and check out some of the comics starring uh, Peacemaker, or with the Batman, I don't want to say, like, you know, find a Batman comic, you literally, it's impossible to not find a Batman comic. But there are some rumors that a lot of this film was inspired by The Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. So you can find a copy, a graphic novel copy of The Long Halloween um, at Bridge City Comics. So yeah, find some of the books that have inspired your favorite cinematic adaptations of your favorite superhero characters. And you can find that at Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland. And when you're there, as always, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. Well, before we wrap it up, should we spend about 15 minutes on a couple of uh, series finales, animated series finales? Oh, I think so.
3: Which one do you guys want to do first?
0: Let's jump into what if, because I feel like that has less we will nerd out about. That's just my gut. If. (laughs) (laughs) What Um, if a fight broke out in the multiverse?
3: So I thought it was a pretty interesting turn of events. Like, you, you know, they... They have the series going through it as though it, you know it really is just like oh the watcher is showing us you know these other stories mm-hmm. alternate versions of things we know. Um, there's that one uh, I think the, in the Stephen Strange episode they interact and the watcher will not help. Is that correct? Am I remembering mm-hmm. that correctly? Uh, but then beyond besides that, that's kind of it. It's just the watcher is watching uh, la di da until until the second to last episode. And then things right. just get a little
0: crazy. Yeah, where the Ultron version flat out finds the Watcher and starts fighting him.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
4: And it,
2: it's funny, I have I had another friend, uh, their partner was watching, it. it's like, why is the Watcher getting involved now? Why? It's like, they could have helped all this time. It's like, yeah, but those threats were all to singular universes. They were all, that was all how those universes were supposed to end up. Right. This was a threat to every universe, Mm -hmm. every single one of them. Um, And then he pointed out, like, also, the Watcher is like, I I watch, I cannot get involved, got involved like every eighth issue (laughs) of the comic. Right. Like okay. I have an oath. <laughs> well, except for this one thing, I'm going to do yeah. this. But I have an oath. I, I pulled my. Oh, I, I, sh- I should probably have it with this.
0: I'm, gonna, I'm just. I'm, I'm just nerdly happy that during the fight between the Watcher and Ultron, there was a lot of Kirby dots being thrown around. Oh, there yes, are.
3: that was a really really cool Kirby
0: dots one. everywhere.
2: <laughs> I, I thought yeah, it I was. Don't...
0: A... Hmm?
1: <laughs> go ahead. Go
2: ahead. I, I was just going to say I thought it was a great way to really show what level of power the Watcher is at within the hierarchy of the universe it's like oh okay
0: he's, he's a Marvel Celestial basically mm-hmm. he, he, that, yeah no you cannot fuck with Oatu nope. you can try it's can not
3: going to work all I was going to say is that I, I don't think that I've ever seen the Kirby Crackle in action like, like in a physical like live action or like moving you know
0: They've never used you them in the movies. I mean. They've never used them in the MCU yet, so it was cool to see the Kirby, the Kirby, the Kirby, animation. dots. Yeah, right.
3: The dots. Sorry. You're right. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was that was really cool to see. Just like I guess see it in real time, for lack of a better way of putting it.
0: But I like. also it. I love how much like power and fun we attribute to an artist's style. Hmm. Kirby dots. When you see Kirby dots, you know shit's going down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. What oh, a cool legacy. It just got real. It just got real. Kerber dies.
2: Um I like that the that, that entire team became the guardians of the multiverse.
4: <laughs>
2: I'd watch that movie. I I now have those as minifigs. <laughs>
3: right. Lego minifigs?
2: hmm Be, because that's what was in the blind the the most recent blind bag was uh, Captain Carter, uh, T'Challa, Star Lord, and Gamora, uh, champion of uh, Sakaar Right,
3: I've forgotten all about those. Those were coming out before the show had even aired, mm-hmm. started airing, right? right. Yep,
2: it yeah. it came out in that between time, it, from the end of Loki to the beginning of What If? That's when they yeah. came out.
0: I love that uh, party. Thor has a catchphrase of battle cry of Viva <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> Which by the way, we'll finish this up, but Party Thor might be my favorite what if episode. It was just nice to have a light hearted, ridiculous episode where Captain Marvel beats his ass and he's mainly annoyed that she's a party pooper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on,
2: do you it, want to have fun? It it was it was just a fun episode. Yeah. Um Yeah. Like the the ending of it is the most the darkest thing because oh look this is this is one of the first universes that Ultron attacks yeah and that was the, the glimpse of
0: like what the next episode was going to be. Jane Foster getting drunk getting married and getting a hammer tattoo
3: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: so um, no she didn't get married Darcy got married. I thought she married Thor. Well,
3: if it isn't Mrs. Mm.
0: the Duck. No. It is Mrs. <laughs> the
2: Duck. They they definitely had sex, but they didn't get married. Darcy oh. and Howard got married.
0: But she still got the she still got a hammer She
2: tattoo, still got right? a hammer tattoo. Yeah, they
3: got like partnered tattoos cuz yeah, I think Darcy Thor and, got um,
0: Darcy like and a Seth or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it not Mrs. the Duck. <laughs> That's
3: so funny. Um yes, that episode is a lot of fun. But I think the Stephen Strange one is my favorite out of all of them. And just mm. that iteration of a Stephen Strange, especially how it ties into this finale. It's, ru- it's rough. He's like the fucking linchpin for that team. And I did
0: love that tie in. You're right. Mm-hmm.
3: And he's just like nothing but Eldritch horror. I love it.
2: The entire time. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, uh, huh, if I had to pick my favorite, I think. I think of them, I might... My favorite is probably the T'Challa Star-Lord. Um, because of uh, his relationship with Thanos and, and the idea of, oh no, he just talked Thanos out of destroying half of the universe. <laughs> um,
3: but it's still object- objectively a good idea.
2: Objectively. <laughs> it's and, just like how um, we'll never let it go. Yep. And then the... uh The the reimagining of Nebula as this blonde bombshell, <laughs> uh, who's also a, a confidence grifter. It's like on par with with T'Challa. It's like that was that was glorious. I loved that whole switch. Um, I, I think it's because we got to see more of a change, not just in one character, but in several.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, where a lot of the characters were still the same people just in a different different circumstance.
3: Yes, and that, I guess that's like the the key takeaway about that episode in particular is if your circumstances had been different, how would you be different as a person versus, mm-hmm. you know, like the Captain America versus Captain Carter is like, oh, circumstances were different, so now you're the superhero instead of you. And technically speaking, Steve Rogers still did get an opportunity to play a bit of a super powered hero role, so mm-hmm. I felt like that one was kind of a throwaway. I'm yeah. like, you couldn't have just let Peggy Carter have have her moment in the sun. You still had to like make Steve Rogers special, anyway. Um,
2: Steve Rogers was only well, Steve Rogers is special, um, and the thing that made him special in that episode was the fact that that was who Peggy loved, <laughs> right.
3: Fine, Um, I
2: I like that it was very much. It's like no, it it, he's special because she deems him so. It's like that's that's very sweet.
3: Okay, I'll give it to you. (laughs) But my point being that, like the T'Challa episode, really is like Peter Quill. He's not a bad guy. But he is out there, like where a regular human cannot go, and he's not really making the universe a better place, but someone like the chala takes his place, and how many atrocities get prevented mm-hmm. how How different are people out there in the galaxy, like having like richer, more fulfilled, happy lives a lot of right. the times with each other, just because of his influence and so I thought that that was particularly touching. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, he um, was trying to bring um, Wakanda's standard of living to the universe.
0: Also, just That's a exactly fucking it. a moment for the fact that like Chadwick Boseman recorded every single T'Challa line in What If? Mm-hmm. Like he made it a point of seeing that fucking character through to the end, man. And he did. He did. Well, I think
3: that was like the second to last thing he did.
0: I think so, yeah.
3: With uh, Ma Rainey. Too bad to what's, happening too.
0: What, what, what? what's happening with Black Panther 2.
3: What's happening with Black Panther 2?
0: The the woman who plays his sister. uh
1: uh-huh.
0: um, She is a hardcore anti-vaxxer and has been very public about it. And uh-huh. Disney is trying very hard to, like, bury her posts. And so they're like, for the love of God, please quit talking. Like, you're probably going to be the main character in this movie. Please, please stop. Like well, even even shit. like even like Ryan Coogler is like, please stop. Please please quit talking. Please. Oh my god, what have you done? Yeah. So that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, she's yeah, big anti vaxxer big anti-mask. That's fine. I think their big problem is like your character is supposed to be like the most intelligent, and scientific mind of the MCU, and you're spewing. Please you stop talking, please, mm.
2: please. Uh, I I would like to point out that it's it's distressing to hear that about anybody. Um, but as a reminder, this is Hollywood. It is still a business. And um, <clears throat> uh, oh, I can't remember. The, why can't I remember his name?
0: I mean, they fired Gina Carano.
2: That's not who. Where I was going, I was going wow, with um, <clears throat> James Rhodes was not the original James Rhodes.
0: Oh, that's, yeah. No,
2: that's, that's
3: true. True. You. That, it's been and... a long time since they've done it. But but you you will you can get replaced.
2: And they did fact, that from the get-go. That was in the fact, first I one. Like, I mm-hmm. think
0: we all like. I think we all liked Don Cheadle more as Rhodey. Mm-hmm. Actually, people forget that. What's his name? Terrence Howard oh, actually hard. was the most highest-paid actor in the first Iron Man movie. He got more than uh, R. D. J. who got scale. Did not know that. Yeah, the <laughs> studios were like talking to John Favreau, and they're like, "Are you ever fucking your mind? Wanting Robert Downey Jr.? He's a drug addict. He's a pain in the ass." And RDJ was like, I'm clean. I want this. I'll do it for scale. And Favreau was like, he'll do it for scale. And I will, I believe Favreau actually personally insured him for the movie.
4: (laughs) Mm.
3: Oh, right. And Edward Norton.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Who's a, never mind. Right, which he's no one—I no, mean, he,
3: he did—he did that only to himself, I guess. No from, one liked what I Yeah, and he's
0: right. Really that's hard.
3: different. But the point mm-hmm. is, you can you can talk yourself out of a job with Marvel. It, it is still possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Or Marvel well, slash Disney. Well, let's move on from Marvel and Disney to the final frontier. Huzzah! The series, the season finale of Lower Decks. Ooh. A.K.A. one of the best Trek shows ever made. I'm just going to no. say it now.
3: There is so much that happens in this episode.
0: Season, by the way, I'll just say, season two was flawless. I, I They nailed season two of Lower Decks.
2: Yeah, there wasn't a sleeper in the, in there the season. There
0: was not a sleeper in it. It was just just the whole way through It was great. Great writing the whole um, way through.
2: I, I, I sat on pins and needles that entire last episode i was so stressed
0: i thought someone was going to die
2: i thought so many were going to die and it wasn't just because of how they ended the first season last year it was i have never seen a starfleet crew pull off a more harebrained stunt yeah. yeah, what this Rito's crew did—they the, took the
0: hull off. <laughs> yeah, the stakes felt so real. Yeah, yes. so real. Yeah, because also, it, no, go ahead.
4: No, go ahead. Okay, so
3: the, the, the ship looks cool as fuck without the outer hull. <laughs> That's all.
2: It it, it well, does. Yeah. It, it. I mean, they made everything s- feel so very real, knowing that they were an escort ship to what looked like the next iteration of the Excelsior class. Um,
0: they said so that like, actually. It was yeah. based on the Excelsior, but it's its own class. They said, like, Excelsior class is still out there. This is the evolution of the class.
2: Did you read and who it. the captain
0: of that ship was? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> hmm. hmm That made me so happy, by the way. Mm-hmm. By the way, so... first official Latinx captain, apart from... The Columbia. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that woman's hella white looking. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Why am I going blank? her name? The woman who spilled hot chocolate on Picard. Yep. Who was meant to be a main character and then they wrote her out. Yep. They didn't know what to do with her in TNG. Yeah.
2: It wasn't the only time that she showed up, but they, they referenced both of her appearances.
0: Yeah, um, she showed up twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why am I going black? Gomez, Sonia mm-hmm. Gomez. Yeah, Captain Sonia Gomez.
2: Yeah. Captain Sonia Gomez. The the scuttlebutt is that um, based on knowing who she is and knowing that she and um, Freeman served together, it's like, oh, wait, does that mean Carol Freeman was on the Enterprise? What was Carol Freeman? Captain Carol Freeman of the Cerritos.
0: Oh, but Captain because, Freeman looks a little bit older than Gomez.
2: But Gomez and and Freeman served together. That's why they know each other.
0: That's true, because Lower Decks is, what, 25 years after the launch of TNG. Mm-hmm. So season one TNG. So that tracks. Uh, uh, Ensign Gomez, she was in q Hugh q which was season three of TNG, early yep. season three. So let's say she's an ensign, so she's twenty-two. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, she's pushing fifty. All right, that tracks.
2: And it like that's the fan theory. Captain right Freeman now has that,
0: more gray hair because she has a daughter.
2: That is, she has <laughs> It's not that
0: just she has a daughter.
2: Mariner Beckett is Mariner her, her yeah, Beckett. Is Beckett is her Mariner daughter. is her daughter. Yeah,
0: uh, Captain captain sonia gomez probably doesn't have any kids she only has to worry about her ship
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but that's like that also lends itself to why uh captain freeman and mariner are more familiar with Riker,
4: Mm
2: -hmm. and why she's like as soon as she becomes a captain she's like oh now I don't like Riker as much, <laughs> which
0: is why Freeman is more annoyed that her daughter is even closer friends with Riker.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah the the whole episode itself was just glorious. It, it gave us so much character depth. Um,
0: and as Norm put it out, it finally gave us a physical acknowledgement of cetacean ops.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god, those dolphins!
0: Everybody is they have sentient. been canon since like 1990, by the way.
3: But we've never seen them
1: before, right?
0: Never seen them before. Never. But every major Starfleet ship has a Cetacean Ops. Ever since the Voyage Home. Fascinating. That is when they I've introduced... never actually
3: been clear on why that is.
0: So after they brought George and Gracie back, Starfleet realized that Earth has more sentient life than humans. So after Star Trek 4, they actually make a concerted effort to speak with ocean mammals. And dolphins are like, yeah, we've been trying to, like, adequately contact you for, like, centuries. <laughs> Thanks for finally catching up with us, by the way. Uh, we would also like to go to space and explore. Also, we're way better at navigating three-dimensional space than you monkeys are. So let yeah. us help you with navigation. Yeah. That's it. That's cetacean ops is that creatures who live in water are better at three dimensional exploration than creatures who live on land. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: They're born (laughs) naval officers.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. And apparently are just thirsty as hell. That was hilarious. You look pretty sweaty. Why don't you jump in the pool with us?
1: (laughs) Take your shirt off.
2: He heard you the first time, Matt.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it <was so> cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I just, I love the fact that we see all four of our our lower deck characters leap forward in their own evolution. Like Boimler saves the day. Um, which is cool. Beckett doesn't save the day. She's the one that has to get over her own issues to move forward. Uh, Tendi is the person that actually calls her out. Mm-hmm. Largely because Boiler and, and Rutherford are still scared of her. But Tendi's like, shut up. Go to the bridge. Talk to your mom. We've got this. We know what right. we're doing. And she's like, you're right. You do. I'm going to go away now.
0: That's a little bit of Tendi kind of pushing her Orion syndicate background. Like go do your fucking job.
2: Yeah. Um, that, Her getting promoted to uh, science command division. It's like Oh, Very cool. Okay. Makes way more sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you don't belong in sickbay. You're too good at everything.
0: Go. <laughs> also, something I looked back the past few episodes, and then I really kind of felt it in this finale, they have been slowly building a weird tension slash connection between Beckett and Jennifer. Because mm-hmm. the previous episode where they do the naked time when everyone's being like naked and making out, the only one she stops at is when Jennifer. She's like, "Oh, okay, let me watch this. I gotta go." And I don't remember and, that. Yeah, and even this last episode, there's a comment about her. Like, you move your like big hot ass out of the way. I'm like, oh, you might be trying to get Mariner and Jennifer together. Yeah, these two characters who like annoy the fuck out of each other of like. It's also because we maybe kind of have the hots for each other, and this yes, is how maybe. we this is how we deal with emotions.
3: Well, and uh, they've they're, they've since started to try to get along. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I still want to know why she's named Jennifer. Why is an Andorian <laughs> named Jennifer? It <laughs> bothers funny. me. It keeps me up at night. I know it's funny, but they don't just do things because it's funny.
0: What if her last name ends up being Shran?
2: That Jennifer would make sense.
0: Jennifer Schran.
2: (laughs) All I can think of is, like, I get looped into my head of, like, okay, so at some point, her parents served with humans. A human named Jennifer saved someone's life.
0: So they're (laughs) honor-bound.
2: So they are honor-bound. They named their first child Jennifer. You know, like, it's Jennifer Endelev. i like... Like, how uh, How else do
0: Andorians end up with human names? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Speaking uh, of Shran, uh, Jeffrey Crooms, a few episodes before, finally made his voice appearance as yep. a killer computer. That
2: was fantastic. Was great. Oh, that was a
0: uh, fun one. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where they're going. Like, I, I don't believe that the captain is going to be in prison for very long.
2: No, but they are really... I don't feel like they're just stretching it out for a joke. I think they are legitimately making a real threat out of the pack lids and Except have...
0: they're dead. They blew up the packlid. I actually like that in a weird way. Because one of my big issues with the season one ending of Discovery
4: mm-hmm.
0: is that Kronos has a giant fucking bomb in it still. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I believe it's the same type of bomb that the Pakleds blew their planet up with.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, But don't forget that we know of at least one Klingon who knows that they were the ones involved with why the Pakleds had Mm -hmm. bombs in their... Possession or vicinity. Exactly.
2: Yeah, the the lower decks of other species episode mm-hmm. definitely laid groundwork for what I think season three is going to be. Yeah. And
3: then there was one other character that cable you were projecting we're going to see more of. It was the the Klingon who oh, just yeah. became captain of his ship.
2: But it, it's the Vulcan science officer.
3: The Vulcan, thank you. I think
0: she's going to show up on the Cerritos next season.
2: Yeah, Delane. Yeah, I think that's her name.
3: That sounds right. Um, that was weird, though, right? Like, just because Vulcans have Starfleet connections, it doesn't mean that like you can go from being assigned to a Vulcan ship, be part of their fleet, and then just get transferred over to a Starfleet ship, right? They just 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 like that, like it's I- the same organization.
0: I always no. read it as if you're a founding member of the Federation, you've got a few extra you've got a few extra perks that other races don't. So I feel like if you're on a Vulcan science vessel and you can do a cultural exchange to Starfleet, same with Tellarites, same with Andorians. I feel like they're like yeah. I feel like it's a weird archaic loophole within the Constitution of the Federation that the founding members can play loosey-goosey with their individual, quote, military forces. Without
3: sending someone to Starfleet Academy?
0: I think because the idea being that, like, if you've gone through the Vulcan Science Academy, apart from knowing traditions, you're not a detriment to any other ship. You fucking know how a warp core... You know how shit works. I mean, it would be like... I mean, I know you might bristle with this bean, but it might be like sending a naval officer into the army. Like The traditions might be different, but they'll know how chain of command works. They'll know the most basic things because military rigors, regardless of the branch, have like a core foundation of how shit works.
3: I, I will agree or disagree with you in a moment, but Cable has something.
2: Okay. I, the, the, the analogy is somewhat flawed. It's more... It's It is more an American naval service member being posted to a British naval ship or an Israeli naval ship. Um, And uh, as uh, SAC is kind of backing that up, Star Trek The Next Generation, I believe, either season one or season two, has already established that there is a cultural exchange program amongst fleets season season that are two. season 2 that are within the federation and are federation allies because that's why riker um
0: in, the, became in a captain. the episode a matter of honor yep
2: where he becomes a captain of a klingon ship very briefly after
0: beating up the the current captain of the klingon ship he was acting without he was acting without honor
4: yeah,
3: I did. I didn't see that, but uh, you guys have talked about it before. Okay, yeah. so it's it's a it is a cultural exchange. It's a cultural thing.
4: exchange. It's not yeah. just
3: like, guess what? You're in Starfleet now because you have pissed no. me off here on Vulcan. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't think okay, it was. That's
3: that's all I needed.
2: Uh, yeah, um, the, it's like that's the same thing that uh, that's why T'Pol served on the Enterprise because they needed right. a Vulcan observer, and the it, same with Phlox served as a mm-hmm. medical officer. It was a cultural exchange program. And I could neither actually neither one of those two were Starfleet.
0: Right. Right. And I could actually see Tendi in season three being an odd foil to that Vulcan science officer, especially if the Vulcan Science officer was brought up brought in as a higher rank than Tendi. Because here is this because to a Vulcan, here's a an Orion who is working within the rules of Starfleet And is science-driven, not profit-driven. And that Vulcan, the entire time, Every time Tendi does something, that Vulcan's going to be like, okay, is this her being scientific or is this her being Orion? Mm -hmm. Which means that Vulcan officer has to deal with her own prejudices about how the whole galaxy looks at Orions. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And people might see this as strangely familiar, but the whole galaxy looks at Orions as... Thieves, rapists, drug dealers, and killers. And it's Criminals, hard for Orion to prove themselves as,
4: yeah.
0: With sexy, well. sexy green skin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Tendy has that undercut, which, it is weird to be weirdly attractive to a cartoon character, but I would just be fine with it.
3: Oh, like it's your first time.
0: It's not, but... It's not even his fifth time. No, but no. it's that undercut. Like she's number one with a bullet now.
1: Okay. And on, on that note,
0: yes. You can place a wrap up the show with Aaron's weird things. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> fetishes. They're called fetishes, Aaron.
0: That's fine. Uh, next week. We're not here. We're not. Wait.
3: There is no live show next week.
0: Right.
2: It's It feels weird because, like, we keep saying, well, but it's the last week of October, but it's not because it's not Halloween. It's because Halloween is on a Sunday.
0: That's mm-hmm. right. That's mm-hmm. why I'm like, are you guys sure? Even though yeah. I know we talked about it. Yeah, it is. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is no live show next week, but we are going to upload a show on mm-hmm. Tuesday because this coming Sunday, uh, uh, Denise, Cable, and myself are going to be recording a commentary. A Bram Stoker's Dracula. We went through Budapest. Uh, there will be wine. I want to bring Absinthe, but I don't know if anybody else likes Absinthe.
3: Uh, I mean, it just depends on how it's been prepared.
0: Uh, wanky as hell.
3: Hmm. I won't say how, no.
0: How about just wine?
3: Definitely wine. Well, I'm bringing a whole box.
0: Being keeping it classy for the show.
3: There's nothing wrong with box wine.
0: There is nothing wrong with box wine. There is nothing wrong with box wine.
3: I didn't say um, Franzia. It's real wine. It's just, it just right. comes in a box.
0: So, yeah, next week, you guys will get to listen to our commentary of Brom Stoker's Dracula. That mm-hmm. is our Halloween gift to you. You're all welcome. You're all welcome.
2: And then we'll see you all again live in the first week of November.
0: Yep. Yay. And with that, I'm Aaron Duran.
3: I'm Bien Rita.
2: And I'm Cable Hashitani.
0: We will not see you all next week, but you will hear us next week.
3: Continue to watch out for snakes, though.
0: Yeah, I'll always do that.